Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son. He called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground, but the Lord is cursed. This one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Lamech were 777 years and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Chapter 6, verse 1, when man began to multiply... On the face of the land, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in them, abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days. And also afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of man, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. You can grab a seat. Good morning, Hill City. My name's Brad. I'm the lead teaching pastor. It is an honor to be with you. If you notice, our church looks a little bit different uh, today. That's because we have fall conference going on with our college students. Yeah. Salt Company, that's our college ministry. They are here, and it is fall conference. You, you probably noticed here in the, in the middle, maybe uh, you didn't, but Jack and Grace were leading us today in, uh, in, in music and singing and lifting the name of Jesus high, and that's two of our college students. We, we absolutely love it, and it is incredible. Now, college students, you need to know this sermon this morning isn't part uh, of the conference. You're going to pick that back up uh, after, afterwards this afternoon, but you do need to know we just open the Bible here. We teach the Bible, so it kind of does go with your conference, okay? We're just right there with it because we're in God's, God's Word. Let me pray, and then we will jump in. God, we love you, and we thank you for your Word, and that we thank you that you uh, are sovereign over everything. So open our eyes that we would see awesome things from your Word this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So uh, it's become a little bit popular in, in the, uh, lately where people would just kind of explore. Maybe it's always been popular. I don't know where, where people are like, man, where did I come from? So, so you go down rabbit holes of looking at uh, your family lineage, your family tree. Uh, what does this look like? Like, man, what is the history of my family? And I, my father actually took this rabbit hole uh, a few years ago. Um, and, and man, here's what we found out about the Lotz family. Um, pretty underwhelming. 
Like, there's just not a lot there. Some dude named James Frederick rolled over here from Germany alone, which is like, was he running from the law? Like, I don't know. That would make perfect sense to, to us. Um, maybe, he, maybe it was even worse. Maybe he was like running from his family. But he came here by himself, and the, there's just not a lot said about who, who we are um, other than that, we're just not awesome. Like, I've got nothing to tell you. I'm not, I have no famous generals in my family tree. I have no inventors. I have no, it's just pretty weak. But as I look at that and as I learn of that family history, what I did learn, well, I, what I was reminded of is what we teach our kids every Sunday. It's one of our pillars of truth that we teach in our kids. And, and, and by the way, this is a family gathering. So all the kids in our church from four years old and up are in the gathering with us today. So if that's you, if you're a, if you're a kid in here, would you just wave at me? I just kind of want to see where you are. I think there are a lot of them. Are, yeah, I see some hands. Come on. Well, one of the things that they're taught each week is this, that God is in charge of everything. Amen, kids? Do you, kids, are you learning that? Right? So here's what I need you to do, kids. You're going to help, you're going to help our college students out, but really going to help your mom and dad out, and you're going to help us out. So what I need you to do is help me out. Just look to all those around you right now and just preach with me this morning. I want you to tell everybody that God is in charge of everything. All right, kids, on the count of three, just tell the people around you. One, two, three. Yeah, good. Now, you guys heard that? You heard that? That was awesome. Now, we're going to say it together. Are you with me? So on the count of three, we're going we're gonna to preach to ourselves that God is in charge of everything. One, two, three. Woo, that's, that's really, really good news. And that's a truth that you need to know this morning. Listen to me, maybe you walked in here today and you're like, dude, I'm hearing you. But the last few months, the last few weeks, the last few days, like it's, this stinks. God's in charge of everything. He's taking you, he's taking you through something for a reason. All right? He, he has his purposes. You need to trust him today. Trust him. And that's what I was reminded of as I looked uh, at my family history. In the Bible here, we've been in Genesis, it talks about a family and the family history. So we had Adam and Eve, right? We've been in Genesis since the beginning of the semester. Adam and Eve comes on the scene. They have a family. Uh, they have two sons, Cain and Abel. Well, Cain kills Abel. Well, God blessed Adam and Eve with another son that actually kind of replaced Abel. His name was Seth. And then we get into chapter 5, which we didn't read all of it today, and it talks about these are the generations of Adam, and it goes through Adam's family, but it goes goes through the line of Seth, which Seth is the line of promise. And as we read chapter 5, or as you read it, you will notice it's just a bunch of names. And why do I bring this up? Because there's a really important truth we, we need to see here. So it starts with Adam, it goes to Seth, and then Seth had Enosh, and then Enosh had Kenan, and then Kenan had Mahalalel, and then Mahalalel had Jared, and then Jared had Enoch, and then Enoch had Methuselah, and Methuselah had Lamech, and Lamech had Noah, and it's all of these names. And when you come to this in the Bible, you need to stop and just realize, oh, people matter to God. And not just groups of people, like individuals matter to God. You 
matter to God. And here's the thing. The creator of the universe knows your name. I'm going to give you some really good news. One day, he's going to call you audibly by your name. Because he loves you. And some of you walked in here just to hear that this morning. God loves you. And he knows your name. And he cares about individual people. And that's what we see in Genesis chapter 5. But there is also a theme that develops in Genesis chapter 5. Now we didn't read it, but I'm going to point it out to you because God does give us themes throughout passages of scripture. If you were here when we went through Genesis chapter 1, there was a theme in the creation account, right? God said and it was so. So God said and it was so. And God said and it was so. And we established that not only did he have that pattern in Genesis chapter 1, but that is the pattern throughout the rest of scripture. When God says it, it is so. But it doesn't even stop in scripture. Right here, 2023, Springfield, Missouri. When God says it, it is so. Amen? Because God is in charge of everything. But there's a theme that develops in Genesis chapter 5. And here it is. It mentions all these names. And it talks about these, these names that I mentioned, like Seth. And it says how long he lived. And at the end of, of talking about Seth was just a very few sentences. It doesn't say very much about Seth. It says, and he died. And Enosh lived and he died. Kenan, and he died. Jared, and he died, and he died, and he died. If you're underlining things in your Bible, God doesn't repeat things on an accident. There's a theme in Genesis chapter 5, and it's this, and he died. Now, We've got to go back to Genesis chapter 2. Because God said something to Adam and Eve about this tree, right? And he says in chapter 2 and verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely... That's weak. And we'll get out of here faster if you guys will answer stronger. Because we're going to do this a few times today. Okay? In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely... Yeah, see, we'll get out of here quicker. Just do it. Here's the deal. And, and you're like, wait a minute. But then they ate. Like they took the fruit and they ate and they didn't die. Did God lie? Well, no. We see shortly thereafter they had kids and, and, and their, one of their sons murdered the other. And, and we see, oh, there's, okay, there's death. But here now we're in Genesis chapter 5 and it's like, whoa, this hits different. It's like, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Well, God said that when you eat of that, you shall surely die. But now i got to bring some attention to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4, because here's what this says. But the serpent, remember him, said to the woman, you will not surely die. Because Satan is a liar. He lies. God said, you will not die. Or God said, you will die. Serpent comes and says, you will not die. 
Genesis chapter 5, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died eight times in the passage. So can I just give you the last sentence on the story of you? Here it is. And he died. And she died. Now listen, some of you are like, dude, the kids are in here today. Like, what are you doing? Dark weirdo. Listen to me. Listen, I can say that because kids, I want you to hear me. And, and it's actually kids, you're going to probably have to remind your mom and dad of this. We don't worry about death. We're, we don't fear this last sentence of our lives. We don't, we don't have to. See, we have hope. Well, how do we have hope? Well, I'm going to tell you that in a minute. But first, we have to look at these names in Genesis chapter 5, and not the literal names, but what is up with these names? Like, it is the line of Seth. Well, why did God just give us the line of Seth, and he doesn't mention Cain? Well, we'll see. Like, now, now we have this, like, two families. You have this righteous line of Seth, this family of God, this line of promise, and then you have this unrighteous line of Cain, which we'd call the family of Satan. Like, in other words, they, they listen, Cain followed the serpent. He bought the lie, and he's like, I'm with the dragon here. And outside of Genesis, past Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, we actually have no mention of Cain's family ever again. Cain is mentioned in the New Testament. We see nothing of Cain's family. And God makes sure to turn our attention to this line of promise, Seth's family. Now, you've heard me say that, line of promise, line of promise. What are you talking about? What was promised? Well, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Remember, God said, here's what's going to happen. There's a serpent crusher on his way. There's a dragon slayer on his way. I promise you, he's coming. And guess what? He's going to come through this line of Seth. But there's a guy I need to bring attention to. So, so I mentioned Enoch. He is in this line of Seth. Now stay, stay with me. We are on our way to the story of Noah, okay? So you have this guy in chapter uh, 5. His name is Enoch or Enoch, right? And there's something like there's something in there that is a little bit unique about Enoch. Here's what it says in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So here in Genesis chapter 5, there's one guy, and it doesn't end with, and he died. It just says, and he was not. 
So, so what we have to do is we actually, what is going on here? Well, the New Testament tells us more about Enoch than the Old Testament. He's mentioned in Hebrews. This is the hall of faith. And here's what it says about Enoch. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Oh, that's why it didn't mention that he didn't die. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. So he's mentioned in Hebrews, but then he's mentioned again in Jude chapter 114. This is really, really important. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. In other words, he preached, he proclaimed. What did he proclaim? Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and convict all the ungodly of their evil deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And all the harsh things that the ungodly sinners have spoken against them. So you see what happened? See what's happening here? Enoch comes on the scene. And he's like, man, everything is ungodly. This is messed up. Judgment is coming. Now why did we do that? This is important. Stay with me. Because Enoch had a, he had a son named Methuselah. And Methuselah then had a grandson, and his grandson was Noah. Noah comes on the scene. Now listen, if you've been in church, or even if people who haven't been in church, you hear Noah, you're like, flood. Wait, this is the guy that built the big boat, like the ark, Noah's ark, the animals, right? Yes, Noah goes with flood. Flood equals judgment. See, Enoch said, hey, this is coming, this is coming, this is coming. And Noah is here, and there's going to be a flood because there's going to be judgment. Now, why? We don't like to talk about judgment, but stay with me. Why judgment? So here's the situation. Noah comes on the scene, and in Genesis chapter 6, here it is. Here's the situation on the earth, Genesis 6, 1. Really bad. So, so bad. Now, verse 1 through 4, like, it it tells us a lot. And we're going to backtrack into verses 1 through 4 next week. So you got to come back. There's some, woo, some stuff there, okay? Um, But we know that verse 1 through 4 tells us when, when man began to multiply on the earth, when man began to multiply on the earth, like, their evil and their wickedness, it also multiplied on the earth. Now listen, some of you are going to squirm. This is where some of you are going to get really, really uncomfortable. Okay? So here was the situation. Verse 5 sums up, the Lord saw the wickedness of man. It was great. That's wicked. And that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Whoa. Every, only, continually. And can I tell you something? That's the human condition. Okay, just just shuffle in your seat now before I say this so that Verse 5 was true of everyone in the room. 
true of humanity. So we dive into this doctrine of total depravity. And, and, and what it means, like, like every moral capacity that we have is so jacked up by the fall, there is, there is no true moral goodness in humanity. And I know it's hard to hear, but there is nothing that we do that isn't touched by human sin. Okay, so this doctrine of total depravity, what it, it doesn't say that we are always as bad as we could be, or we would all be dead. Are you with me? We would just, are, you see what I'm saying? It's not saying that. It's not saying that we always choose sin over not sinning. It just means that whatever we are doing, it is, it is a sinner that's doing it. And I know that sounds, that's an identity statement, okay? But, but, but stay with me. What I'm saying is that's all humanity. Like sin is way worse than we could ever think. And we're, we're not just merely human beings who commit sins. Like we are sinners. That's, that's true of humanity. So while that's an identity statement, praise God, that's why we use words like, holy cow, we need a new identity. Like our hearts are so wicked, that's why we say things like, well, what the Bible says, it says, well, we need a new heart. We are messed up. All of us. Like, let's all start there. So if you walked in here today and you're like, man, I'm, I'm messed up. Like, these people don't get who's sitting next to them right now. No, we're all there. We all start on a level playing field. Way screwed up. More than we could ever imagine. And God saw this in verse 6. And the Lord, here's what it says. And the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. In other words, God saw this depravity and it broke his heart and he concluded, I cannot let this go on. Now let's not, let's not forget this. This is only five short chapters after the creator of the universe said, it is very good. And five short chapters later, he's like, my heart is shattered. Now, I'm going to use a massive word here. I promise you, I'll never use this word again in regular life. But I have to explain what's going on in verse 6 right here. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. This is what we call anthropomorphic language. Anthropomorphic language. So what's that mean? Well, one way that scripture helps us understand God, it uses language that fits with humanity because that's all we know. Like all we know is to be human, right? So, so, so in other words, we know God doesn't have a body. God is spirit, okay? So in other areas where we would see this anthropomorphic language. So in the Old Testament, God delivers Israel. Are you with me? And you'll, there's a sentence that you'll see in the Old Testament. And it'll say he did it with his outstretched arm and his mighty hand. Well, he doesn't have an arm or a hand because he doesn't have a physical body. God is spirit. But, but what the Old Testament is doing is it's giving us language that we can grasp. Okay, this is how we can understand what he did when he delivered Israel from Pharaoh out of Egypt. But if we get lost in those discussions, what we will miss is that Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, and the Lord regretted that he made men on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. What will we miss is this. God takes sin very seriously. 
always. Don't miss it. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land. Man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Now listen, let's not get too far removed from the original audience. Moses wrote this, right? It was the children of Israel. They're getting ready to go into the land. And, and, and we have to understand, like, like, what is Moses reminding them of? Like, God judges wickedness. Like, Israel had just seen him do it to Egypt, right? They passed through the sea, and the Lord, like, destroys all their enemies. They saw, like, oh, God does this. So as they're hearing about this flood and this thing coming where God's heart is broken, they know, like, man, God, he he, he will judge wickedness. And and here, once again, they are reminded, and we need to be reminded that, that God is in charge of really really good news and he judges well how is he going to judge well he says i am going to remove mankind from the face of the earth and and really what we see here is that he's going to decreate did you see the order that he went in he said he said i have created i'm going to blot him out from the face of the land man animals creeping things birds of the heavens so what he did is he took genesis 1 and he just went backwards he just went in the, the opposite of how he created. Are you with me? He went day six, five, four. He, de, he said, I'm going to decreate this thing because it is so messed up. Now, here's what we can do. We can close our Bibles and be like, God is going to judge. And scream, and you're going to die. Repent. God's going to judge you. And it's like, man, this so dark (laughs) listen this is why we keep reading God's word oh we got to keep reading I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land man animals creeping things birds of the heavens for I am sorry that I have made them oh praise God for verse 8 but so listen, I know you got your pens, your highlight, just, oh, get it circled, get it underlined. You can memorize that word. You want to memorize some scripture? Here we go. But you did it. And in verse 8, we just get a glimpse of the greatest news you will ever hear in your life. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now notice what the Bible does not say. And this is huge. It does not say Noah earned favor in the eyes of the Lord. The Hebrew word for favor could just as easily and equally be translated Grace. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And this favor that he had, he received this as a gift because that's what grace 
is. It is a gift. Literally, grace, unmerited favor. We could say it this way. It's getting something that you did not earn. Hill City, know this. This is a huge truth. We, all of us in this room, we would be destroyed. But for the grace of God, God saw Noah. And God chose Noah. Listen. God sees you. He sees you. He will choose you. Listen, I'm just telling you, there are stories in this room right now that if I would have went back, say, two years from now, maybe five years from now, or, or five, yeah, five years, if I went backwards, five years from today, ten years from today, and I would have told some people in this room, hey, here's the deal. You're going to be at an evangelical church, and you're going to be worshiping every week. And, like, like, it's like a place where they raise their hands and worship and stuff. Like, you're going to go to church there, and that's going to be part of your regular life. There are people in the room that if I'd have told them that two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, they'd have been like, you're out of your mind. Get out of my face. There are people in the room who are like, no, no, here's what, actually, you're going to be at a church. You're going to be, you'll actually work in kids. You will serve in kids at an evangelical church that preaches the Bible, and, and you're actually going to love it. And, and, oh, and you, you're, you're going to be going to an evangelical church, and you're actually going to be giving, like, big chunks of your money to this church. If I would have told some people that in this room two years ago, five years ago, ten years, they'd have said, this guy's psychotic. Lock him up. He's crazy. But here you are. Because God is in charge of everything. Some of you are in this room and if I'd have told you 10 days ago, you're going to give your life to Jesus, you'd have been like, never. But God is in charge of everything. Where have you seen the grace of God in your life? Listen, we got little kids in here, and, and most of the kids in here, you're sitting with your mom and dad, or, or you're sitting with someone that brought you here, like they bring you to church every week, and kids in the room, you know what I know is true? You didn't pick your mom and dad, and they, they have you, and on every turn, they're pointing you to Jesus. You didn't, you didn't pick that. God is in charge of everything. Oh, see, some of you are here because Somebody this week invited you to church. And you didn't wake up that morning going, man, I hope someone invites me to a church I've actually never heard of before. That would be cool today. But someone invited you, and you're here. You know why? Because God is in charge of? Come on back there with that energy. But the Lord found, but Noah found favor in the eyes 
of the Lord. And here's what God does in this moment. He takes humanity and he puts humanity on a new trajectory that actually points to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, Noah, as we're going to get into next week, he is a picture of the Redeemer. Salvation of humanity is going to come through Noah's obedience. And we'll dive into that. But first, before he's a picture of the Redeemer, we have to see Noah and know he's a picture of the redeemed. He's, listen, he, he, he's like you and, and I, and you need to know, like, holy cow, he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And if you know Jesus this morning, and if you're following Jesus this morning, you need to know that is true of you. That is true of you only because the grace of God. Oh, by the way, if you're here today and you're not following Jesus... You are here sitting in this church because of the grace of God. Hearing the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. So my family tree. Here's another sad reality. If you back up and just look at the Lotes branches, okay? Zero people that followed Jesus. I was 10 months old. I had a sister that was 24 months old. And our mother, we were in the car with her, was hit by a motorcycle. She was killed by a drunk driver. My dad wasn't looking for Jesus. He was off doing other things. He was crazy, probably had a beer in his hand and maybe not even sober. I don't know. But listen, I'm just going to tell you this. He was far from the Lord. And it was through that tragedy because God is in charge of. It was through that tragedy that my dad met Jesus. It's the first one. And all of our family tree. Now listen, I pray that way more lotuses would follow Jesus than are. But I promise you, here's what's going on. So many lotuses are going to be with you guys in glory. Because my dad just started telling his brothers. And he started telling his sisters. And he started telling his mom and dad. And then he had a family. And he started pointing us to Jesus. And there's just going to be a lot of lotuses in heaven. You just got to get over it. And it started with one. I'm so glad God is in charge of everything. And listen, you may be looking at your family tree and it may be as underwhelming as mine, but you could be the first one that changes everything in your family. You could be. God wants to use you. He sees you. He found his favor. He wants to choose you. And you could affect your family tree. God is in charge of everything. And this truth, and it is true, every bit of it, this should humble us. There's no room for pride here. Salvation belongs to God. You aren't saved because you are awesome. You are saved because God is awesome. This should humble us. We boast in nothing, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but we will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. Amen, Hill City? God is in charge of everything. If you're serving communion, I want you to head back. I want you to get the table ready. We didn't earn it. Hey, can I tell you what we earned? Actually, let me read from God's word what we earned. Romans 6 says this, 
for the wages. You know what wages are? They're earned. They're what we earned. The wages of our sin is death. In other words, that's what we earned. But, oh, get your highlighter out. Memorize that word. But, the free gift of God, that's grace, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hey, kids, this is why we're not worried about death when we read about it in Genesis chapter 5. Because Jesus is our hope. And I know some of you have, have experienced some death, right? A loved one has died. And man, that loved one who knew Jesus, listen, they're alive. They didn't die. They're just not here. And if you know Jesus, you have eternal life. And eternal life doesn't start when you die. The moment you follow Jesus, you have eternal life. This is our hope. The gift, the favor, the grace of God. Have you received it? Have you received this gift? Listen, it's God. Oh, some of you, this is, it is God's joy to give it to you. Parents in the room know this. Grandparents in the room, we give our kids gifts, like say maybe for Christmas. We love seeing them open those gifts. It's our joy to give. Listen, it is God's joy to give you the gift of grace. Some of y'all got to open it. It's there. I want you to stand with me. So, let me just New Testament this thing up real quick. All right? Go ahead, Sean. I want you to just, I just want you to hear this. Hear the truth of God read over you. I'm about to, re I can talk, so I'm going to read the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. And it's going to start pretty dark. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now that's pretty dark. And for some of you, that may still be true of you. Now, we're going to get weird, and you just got to go with me, okay? I want you to just receive the scripture right here. Get your hands out, receive. This is the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. So we're all dead. Dead people can't do anything. We're all children of wrath. We're in big trouble. We're all not awesome. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive together in Christ. You didn't make you alive, he made you alive. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and, the kind, and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. This is a gift of 
God. This is not a result of works so that anyone may boast. You are not awesome. I am not awesome. God is awesome. For we are his workmanship. This is, so, this is such good news. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And God, I pray that the truth of Scripture, the gospel that was just read, it has the power to say, would it hit hearts in this place this morning? Those who are following you, may they be reminded that it is grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.